open up your Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to do what we attempted to do last week, which is to get to verse 16 today. And I just don't know if we're going to be able to do it. So let's read. Beginning in verse 7 of the book of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul, who's in jail, is now writing to the church at Ephesus, instructing them on what they're to do now that he's gone over what's been done. He has spent much time talking about all of the gifts and all of the work and all the power of Jesus. He has done everything. And now he says, now, now it's your turn to, to balance the scales if you would, not in a way to pay back the Lord. You can't do that. But in a way to respond to the Lord. If I were to hug you, most of you would soften up and hug back, right? Some of you would stiffen up like a board and it would be weird for everyone. You know what I'm saying? But when someone hugs you, you know what to do. It's like, oh, I'm getting hugged here. I, I will respond and reciprocate this affection. So too, when you understand what the Lord has done, he's hugged you, he's blessed you, he's done everything. And the natural response when knowing that God is hugging you and loving you ah, is to get involved in his mission as you just be you the way that God has intended. It is so fascinating. I was talking with one of my longtime friends over the weekend about the book of Ephesians and studying it through. We asked where we were today, and I said, oh, it's Ephesians. I'm having so much fun. Probably the most fun of anybody. Sorry, not sorry. But I'm loving this book because of how it is reminding me of who God is. He's the great hugger, the great giver. He does it all. And when you just ah, settle in and let him hug you, whoa, good stuff comes out. You ever squeeze your kids until they squeal? so fun. And God likes to squeeze you with his love and what comes out of you as you embrace that. What comes out of you is the fruit of the spirit, the character of God. And he just morphs you and changes you as you all, if you try and do it on your own, you ever try and hug yourself, I'm pretty sure you'll go to jail. You know what I'm saying? Like you, they're gonna, you're going away. You got to let him hug you. And when he does that, when he loves you and embraces you, fruit comes out of your life. So if you're trying to be a good Christian here, you're trying to be a productive Christian, you're trying to do things, but you're not really letting the Lord hug you, okay, you're doing it wrong. You're hugging yourself, trying to produce fruit. When you, when, the, when you really soak in the love of God, you'll find yourself like Paul, shackled to a Roman jailer, tried falsely, accused wrongly, betrayed meanly. Nothing's going right for him, Oh, but the Lord is hugging him. The Lord is, and he's, once you get away from that love where the, the love of God, that spout where the blessings come out, once you get away from there, things just get weird, they get religious, they get funky. But if you stay under the spout and let God love you, let God love you, let God love you, let God love you, you will be loving and gifted to other people. So let's see how this looks now, please, in verse 7, hopefully you're up to speed, if not, get on board, here we go. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given. According to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he, that's Christ, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Paul is freaking out here because of the nature and capacity of God. That when God died and ascended, the first thing he did was start giving out gifts. We murdered him and so he came back to life and went to heaven. And in response, he's like, can I give you some gifts now? You know, it's like, I'm just going to bless you. We're like, what? This is too good to be true. And he gave gifts. Verse 8 goes on to say after in verse 9, now this he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. I just need you to catch this. That's the gospel right there. Paul says, God went, he went to heaven, man. He ascended. He rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he gave gifts at the same time, but he didn't ascend before he descended. You guys know that he descended for a reason, right? To take your sins oh, to hell and to leave them there, to pay for them, suffer the consequence, to endure the wrath. Ah, brutal. What you deserve, what I should get. He took to hell, left it there and came out and said, whew. That was crazy. Want some gifts? You got to know that's the character of our God. He loves you. He's taking care of everything that would hinder you from knowing him, from living for him, for, for, for being part of his mission. He's taking care of it. And then, not only has he removed the things out of the way, he's equipped you with the things that need you to get on your way. It's insanity. You know what would be awesome is if God forgave you of all of your sins and said, okay, 
I tallied it out. You're at zero. Are you happy? And you're like, yeah, man, that was pretty intense. Now what do I do? Now you don't blow it ever again or I'll kill you. <laughs> you're like, all right. <laughs> how, much, how much time do I got? He's like, you're done. You're not, you, you already blew it. You know, you're walking in fear, whatever. Listen, that's not how God works. He removes the problem and then equips us for the process. He does it all. It's called grace and mercy. The mercy of God takes away our sin. The grace of God enables us to live for him. It is, it's so fun. Anyways, he's talking about that. Then in verse 11, this is where we'll take our study time for today. He talks about the gifts that were given to men and women, to who you are, both in natural talent when you were born, when you took your first breath, and God already knew who you were, you know, all of you. And the doctor dropped you on your head, you know, ooh, you know, picked you back up, ooh, you know. Who you are, how you were born, you. He talks about who you were, and then he talks about your rebirth. When you got saved, you were born naturally talented, okay? Maybe not as talented as the most talented person in the world, but you were born talented. You were born gifted. You, you have gifts. They're your gifts. They're not mine. They're yours. You have them. They're yours. You were born with them. Whoa. And then when you were reborn, when your spirit came alive again, God gave you the spiritual, supernatural, Holy Spirit gifts to use for the mission of God. And so you combine then and redeem your natural talents, your disposition, your personality, your skin color, your height, your depth, your weight, all that stuff, and you give it to the Lord. And then he downloads and supersedes all of that with spiritual gifts. And you get to then live. It's so cool. And that's what he's talking about. So please listen as we read and then we'll pray. And he, verse 11, himself... <laughs> Anyways, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. What for? Well, for the equipping of the saints, for the work. Everyone say work. <sighs> for the work of the ministry. That's action. That's activity. That's doing. That's showing up. That's breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. That's work. The, here, here we go. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why? Verse 13 tells us, until we come to the unity of the faith, until we grow up, and until we come to the knowledge of the Son of God, until we become a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Just so you know, right now, the church, you're here today, you read your Bible, you repent from your sin, you grow in grace, you forgive those as they forgive you, you do what you do, you be you for one purpose, to be more like Jesus. Do you guys think Jesus is diverse and deep and maybe even complicated and mysterious and awesome and wondrous? Do you guys think that he is beyond fathom, beyond figuring out? Did you know that the Lord created the heavens to declare his glory and that the scientists today are still trying to figure out the heavens? They're like, yeah, we're pretty sure it's big. That's probably big. We got some, you know, light years is a word we use. And it's like, that's not going to go a couple light years. It's, it's really big. And he, God made that to illustrate how big Jesus is. I say that because most of us have this image in our mind of what Jesus looks like. Eh, wrong, you know? You, you got this picture. I think, I think he's like, he does this. Listen, God made you, you, to be one of the many cells that make up the body of Christ. You're part of the personality of Jesus. You're part of his persona. He fills you. He made you just like you. And you might think Jesus is this. And what would Jesus do? Well, he would do this. Well, maybe, maybe God is more mag magnificent more deep more wide more and you you're part of the plan and this should humble you because the bible started in verse 17 it's by grace that we've received this and every once in a while i look at my position in the body of christ and who i am and it's kind of outlined i kind of know what i'm what i'm called to do and i don't do it well but i show up and swing for the fences every sunday you know and i do what i do my best and it's all because jesus decided that he wanted me on his team it's all because he said you're going to be a part you people are going to look at you they're going to see a little bit of me they're going to look at you, and they're going to see a little bit of me. And they're going to look at you, and they're going to see a little bit of me. And they're going to look at you, and they're going to see a little bit of me. And every time you see a little star, you see a little bit of God. It's the glory, and so too the church, the body. So it's for the equipping. You are representing Jesus right now in all of your stuff. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Verse 14. Here's the other reason that we should no longer, this is our goal, be children. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Just a quick question. Have you ever been deceived into craziness? You know what I'm saying? Like you thought it was like legit, like this is the real deal. You're trying to sell your friends and your friends are like, uh, 911? You know? and, and then all of a sudden you make full circuit like, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. 
I don't know why, but I, I, I've, I've believed some crazy stuff. I've written stuff. I've preached crazy stuff. And years later, I'm like, did I say that? Could that? Do I need to call them and apologize now for saying that from the pulpit? And we get deceived and trickery. The goal is, is as the church functions, as you be you and we exalt Christ, we grow and we realize that's not true. That is true. The discernment is needed here. And this is probably an untruth. I need to put this in this file over here. And I need to be careful. You, I hope you realize that, that not everything you read on the internet is true. You guys figured that out yet? Oh, no, Wikipedia, for sure, all day, you know. I fact-checked it, you know. No, I'm serious. I am so jaded. I look at stuff on the Internet, and it takes me a long time to believe it. You know, photos, I'm like, I don't believe that. It's a fake photo. It's a fake photo, you know. Anyways, the goal is that the Spirit of Christ, it's a gift that would grow in you, supernatural wisdom and discernment, and, and your knower will know. And you might not even know how to explain it or discern it, but... Something just doesn't feel right here. I'm not judging, not condemning, but I'm just not going to touch that. I'm not going to be a part of that. Something in my spirit. And then months or two later, you find out this thing blows up or goes sideways or tanks, whatever it is. That's the goal. Verse 15, this is so important. But, this is you, speaking the, uh, the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. We're going to discern that which is evil and false and not true, but we're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to be able to say, you know what, that's not true, but I love you. You know, did you know you can disagree with people and still love them? It's getting harder. It's getting harder and harder to do. Or at least, let me say it differently. It's getting harder and harder to have the perception of love, even though you disagree. People don't believe it. You disagree with me? Well, then I'm going to kill you. You disagree with me? Then you're my arch enemy. It's like, well, no, can we, can't, and it's really difficult. And the Bible says Christians are going to be anointed with the ability to say, you know what? I don't see it that way. I've got a biblical worldview, and I, and I serve Jesus and his mission, and, and I'm part of the body of Christ, and I, I, I see what you say, and I respect you, and I love you and honor you, but that's not true. And can, 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 we can still have fellowship and friendship. It's very difficult to do, but not impossible. And it's our goal as the church to model this. The church has done the opposite many, many times, haven't they? The us for no more, bar the door kind of church. You know, the Bible bubble, the holy huddle, like let's keep them out, you know. The dirty pagans, you know, the, you know. And it's like, oh, we don't, they're so wrong. They're not allowed in. You know, shut the door and lock it. And it's like, I don't see Jesus doing that. Instead, Jesus showed up in love and said, you're wrong. Now I'm going to go die for you. Whoa. Truth in love. I'll talk about that when we get there. Verse 16, and we're going to end with this verse. He says, this is the goal for you and for me. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love again before i pray just conceptualize what he just said in all those verses he said because of what jesus has done now we as the church get to grow mature respond serve act and follow jesus in a way that is counter evil counter sin counter cultural but in the love of god dying and sacrificing being witnesses for the people around us so that jesus mission would be known on the earth that is going crazy and so that you would have purpose in your own life it's time to grow up it's time to let the lord move you forward whatever that means you, you be you okay i'll be me I can't grow up for you. I can't do what's next for you in your life. Only you can. But God made you so specific to, like a star, shine his glory, direct others on their navigational path to find him. So let's pray and ask God to mature us as a body and to bless this time we have together. Father, in Jesus' name now, we thank you for what you've already done. We, we cannot even understand it to the depth of its magnitude. You have removed our sins from us. You, you didn't just throw them away. You absorbed them. You paid the ultimate price, suffering brutally on the cross. Why would you suffer so bad? Because our sins deserved it. And so you did that. And then you rose from the dead and you left sin in hell but took captives out and you proclaimed peace to those who were burdened this morning. And then you started giving gifts. If, it, if it's not good enough already, you then said, hey, now you're saved. You excited? And we say, yep, we're excited. We said, well, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to make you a male. I'm going to make you a female. I'm going to make you tall. I'm going to make you short. I'm going to make you this, or I'm going to make you that. It, this is your time to shine. It's, you're you. You're so unique and special in my body. And here are some gifts now because you can't actually move forward without me, without my anointing, without my power, without my person. 
So I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit then is going to come alive inside of you and birth the church. And then the church is going to share the gifts one with another, just being you. You don't even have to force it, just be you. And the world around will see the church, which is the body of Christ, which is the mission of Jesus, which is the hope of the world, in a place gone nuts. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, forgive us now of our sins, of our despondency, of our hypocrisy, of our blatant sin. Lord, this room is chucked full of people. Forgive us, Lord, for being weirdos this week, for having hard hearts, stiff necks, dull ears. Lord, just forgive us. We're just, ah, it's gnarly down here. Forgive those here who are being straight up disobedient. Just forgive them, Lord. And may today be a new day where they just surrender and say, thanks for making me me, for forgiving me of my sins and giving me gifts. Let's go. What do you want to do? And you, Lord, be glorified in our lives. We thank you so much for what you've already done. We ask for help now in studying and understanding your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as I introduced last week's um, teaching out of the same text, I asked the question, how's it going in the world? And I just... Remember last week I asked the question, what's next? Did I ask that last week? What's next? What's going to happen next? Another shooting? Another, another bombing? And what, what did happen? A, a rampage on a truck. Nice, France. There's 202 injured right now. 50 of them, more than, more than 50 of them are critical. They'll probably die. 84 were ran over to death. A mile-long carnage in this truck before the guy was shot, all in the name of Islam. Just crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Just this morning, you probably don't even know yet unless you check the news incessantly. You can repent. And you don't even, this, this morning, just a few hours ago, three officers, maybe, maybe four, shot and killed in uh, Louisiana. Uh, it's happen- it's, what's happening in our culture? And this is over there. This is in different places. Is it going to happen here? I pray not. Craziness, though. Craziness. And last week, I asked you this question. What do we do? What do we do about all these political movements and social movements? And how are we going to stop this search for Pokemon? Right? I'm just kidding. Here's the deal. In Acts 1.8, you need to get this in your biblical worldview. Everyone say biblical worldview. <sighs> you need to know this. The disciples wanted Jesus to fix everything, arrest the bad guys, take over, more gun control, more legislation, better presidents. We need, we need change. Jesus, are you going to change it all? And he looked at them like they were cuckoo. So what are you talking about? No, that's not, my kingdom is not of this world, okay? I, I'm not here to fix it down here yet. I will, my kingdom is coming, and there will be an earthly reign, and there will be justice. But until then, that's now, be my witnesses, or he actually said it this way, it's very important, be, you shall receive power, the Holy Spirit, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. He didn't say you'll be witnesses for me. You know, he didn't say you'll be witnesses about me. You'll be witnesses to me. Your life will just reflect who I am in the way that you live. Did you know that the word witness in the Greek is martyr, <laughs> which means lay your life down? And when you live your life or surrender it, physically, most of us won't, but when you lay your life down and surrender it spiritually or emotionally for your spouse or for your church or for your kids or for your community, and you just, man, you take one for the team, when you be a martyr, you get to be on display of what it looks like to know Jesus in a world gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> we have shirts that say Jesus is real. You know what? Historically, he is real, okay? It's not that hard to prove that Jesus is real. He was a real, authentic, historical figure. Nobody does, denies that. But when we have these shirts that say Jesus is real, I should rip it off. I've got one on. When we, when we have these shirts that say that, we're not implying that he's a historical figure, we're implying that what he said is true and what he does is powerful and he changes lives. And he allows us to be on display in a world gone mad when things don't go your way. You don't need to raise your hand, but have things not gone your way? <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm just hanging on. I had no clue. Listen, when you stick and stay and make it pay, when you stick with the Lord, is that all right? I didn't choose this. I don't understand this. I for sure don't like this. But I'm going to let you, Lord, be God because that's your job. And I'm going to be me because that's what you asked. And I'm going to display, sometimes dispense, that's audible. But I'm just going to display what it looks like to show that Jesus is real. It's easy to do when things are going great, isn't it? And Jesus is so real. I got a sweet job. Got a sweet family. My health is good. My lawn is finally green. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's like, oh, cool, yeah, Jesus is real. But what about when things get weird? What about when there is tragedy? 
And what's next this next week? I hope nothing. I pray there's not another stupid, violent reaction to injustice. I just pray that, it, that Lord, it, it doesn't happen. But if it does, what it, how are you going to respond? And that's on a global scale. It's kind of easy to separate. So what if something bad happens to you personally? What if things just, what? I just bought this and it's broken or I just got involved in this and it's difficult? I got a text this, uh, it might have been two days ago from Bonnie Stone. And she's sitting over here on my left. And Bonnie texted me and she said, uh, hey, I want you to know that I'm deciding to move from the area. She lives in Seal Rock and I'm going to be closer to my daughter, Dana, and she lives in St. Louis. I'm gonna, I just feel it's time for me to go over there. And, and during this time, I've grown closer to Jesus than ever before. I'm hearing him and trusting him and walking with him. And if you don't know Bonnie's story, her husband went to be with Jesus tragically young just a few months ago. She's right over here. And I have seen Bonnie grow and glow in the midst of what I would say, hey, 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 not cool. I don't understand this. I didn't ask for this. It wasn't, it wasn't her plan. It wasn't anybody's plan. And when she texted me and said, just, I just, Pastor, I want you to know I'm growing in the Lord. I'm closer to him. He's leading me through this. I'm thinking, what? How, that, that's it? That's it? You're being a witness. You're showing God in the midst of unfortunate circumstances. You're actually looking to him as a star would keep shining in the midst of the darkness. And that is the goal in our lives when things, again, you're probably under the impression that our goal is to stabilize everything and right everything. We just need to make it better. Put some weed and feed on that grass, man. You know, and that's our, that's the disciples. Jesus, you're going to make it better now, right? He said, no. I'm sending you to the wolves. You real biblical worldview. All the disciples, once they got the Holy Spirit, he says, now go be witnesses to me. I'll see some of you soon. Because <laughs> you standing up for me is going to put you down. This world's nuts. I'm just going to say one other thing. This is my own personal philosophy. Um, maybe it's more, more biblical than I realize. But when the world goes crazy, when, when people die young, when people are violent, when when mental illness creeps in, when, when things just erupt, when things are just, what? To me, it's the Lord keeping his end of the bargain, saying, look, I don't change. I told my kids, Adam and Eve, in the day you eat of this fruit, oh, pain and turmoil, difficulty and sadness, don't do it, don't do it. As a matter of fact, let me provide for you every other alternative. Let me love you, let me hug you so hard that you squeal. And they got tricked. And they got seduced, and they ate of the one tree that they should have. And God says, oh, man, life's going to be tough now. It's going to be difficult. Marriage is difficult. Raising kids is difficult. Relationships are difficult. Work is difficult. Read Genesis 3. Everything's difficult. My son's coming, though, and he's going to fix it one day forever. And so when things are difficult, to me, it's the Lord saying, well, don't be deceived. I'm not mocked. You reap what you sow. Not even necessarily currently, but originally. The original sin, man, the whole the tidal wave of life is just the tsunami is still going, still surging, still just taking lives out. Jesus is right there in the midst saying, okay, you're right in the middle of the tsunami right now, church. It's nuts. We're like, you're going to stop the tsunami? He's like, no. Okay, council time, you know. Can I suggest something? And he's like, no, no, no. It's going to be nuts. You would have never thought of this. I'm going to let it burn down. I'm going to let it run its course because I said it would. But I'm going to rescue and redeem in the whole process. I'm going to give those, all who would willingly respond to my call, to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to save them and use them and let them shine through the madness. Through, so when you're going through madness or heartache or upheaval or disappointment, let's get a knee-jerk reaction coming out of our lives that we say, ooh, he wanted me to be a witness to him in a crazy world. How can I now shine and reflect what he does? It reminds me of that one commercial of the spray-on Teflon protector. You know what I'm saying? You spray it on your shoes and on your couch, and you can spray it on your dog. And then you take, like, the mustard and spray it all over your shoe, and the mustard, like, rolls off the shoe. Who's seen this? Who's seen this, okay? I didn't buy this stuff because I never spray mustard directly on my shoes. I'm like, I'm not going to need that. But they show the guy with, like, the muddy bucket on his shirt, you know, and it, like, hits him and all of it's off. And it's just, that never happens to me either, except at youth camp. But... Reminded me of Christianity. God says, hey, you're going to get mud thrown on you. You're going to get messed up. It's going to be crazy. And in the midst of it, I'm going to protect you. Stuff's gonna, it's not going to actually impact your eternity, your eternity. And it's not actually going to, through my Holy Spirit, impact your temporal reality. It can. Don't lie to me. How many of you guys have been rocked by life and made some bad decisions shortly thereafter? Mad, ticked off at God, disappointed. I get it. 
hurt, disappointed with your own self. Oh, and God says, hey, 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 that's why I died for you. I knew you were going to spin out and weird out, okay? And I, I, cover, I covered you. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lift you out. Oh, it's so fun. That's what God's doing in your life right now. It's not going to get easier, okay? But it will get better. What? Not easier, but better. More purpose, more reality. Because Jesus is real, and he wants us to display that. And so now he moves into this practice of the preaching. This is the so what of what he's taught us. It would be the mission of the message or the walk of the talk or the how-to of the so what. So the question is, is Jesus real? Has he changed your life? I mean, has he really changed your life? I was thinking about this, like, oh yeah. Dude, I was doomed for craziness before Jesus. I know, I know what I'm capable of apart from Jesus. It's nar-nar. We're talking jail time, POs, like, you know, America's most wanted, me apart from Jesus. And then Jesus comes in, he's like, oh, Jesus is real. And so he gives us a new character, makes us a new creation, listen, which then launches us into a new direction. Isn't it fun to be new in Christ? But when you're new in Christ, you actually have a new purpose and a new direction. You're not just new and you get to just be new. You have a new identity. One time I went to the Izzy Pizza Parlor across town and I applied for a job there to wait tables. And I remember going through the interview process and they hired me. And in, in, in hiring and getting that job, I was going to make good tips. It was my first waiting job and I was super excited. And they made me then buy black pants and a white shirt and a tie. I never had any of that stuff. And so I bought all that stuff. And I remember the final uh, question at the interview. I'm leaving. All right. Well, you start on Monday. Should be good. Be here at 4. 30, you're gonna do 430 to close. Oh, one last thing. You gotta go by the 1010 building and take a drug test. And I was like, no problem. <laughs> Easy peasy, you know? And I remember I left there, and uh, you guys don't need to know the rest of the story. <laughs> I did pass, I passed, I, I passed. But what what my point is, this new identity, Izzy's. I actually did pass. I, I cleaned up and was able to get through that. My new identity had a new direction. A new outfit, new uniform, and I got to go work there and become a different person. When you become saved, you're forgiven, clean, awesome. But there is a new identity and a new direction, okay? You need to pass a drug test now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to move forward and set some of those things down and find yourself growing closer to the Lord. And I would just frame it this way, because the whole point today in the message, if I can talk fast enough and you can listen faster, is that you would understand your gifts, your calling, your talent, your purpose. That you would settle in and say, right on, I'm on the Lord's team. What does that look like? Be you. It's really simple. You be you. And you do it for God's glory, and you look at the gifts that he's given to you. But there's two frames that you can shine light through and look at this. You can look at have to or get to. Okay, I'm a Christian now. Yeah, I have to go to church. Kind of a bummer. You know, I'm a Christian. I have to give you know, to the church and make sure they pay their bills. And I'm a Christian. I have to go to Hope in the Park. Luke said, I don't want to feel bad. He said, I have to go. You know, I have to go Hope in the Park, and I have to eat a hot dog, even though I don't like hot dogs. And I, ha- you know, I have to do this. And maybe you're a husband or a wife, and I got a wife now, and I have to love her, you know, and, and I have to, have to provide for her. And I, I suppose I have to buy her flowers, you know, and have to care for her and talk to her occasionally, I suppose. And, you know, there's, there's have to's and get to's in all relationships. Maybe you're a parent, like, I got these kids. I have to feed them or they get in trouble you know, or, or they get weird you know i have to do or 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 you look at all those blessings and say oh i get to i get to have a wife i get to take care of her i get to love her and, and walk with life with her i get to take care of my kids and i get to have a community to be a part of and i get to go to church i what i get to invest in the kingdom of heaven like not only do i have a ticket in but i've got a purpose until then no way this is crazy, and you can adjust your life through your salvation experience and say, right on, Lord, I appreciate you letting me in. And I knew this one girl, I've told this story before in Ashland, and this is before I was saved and before I was single, I was 19 or 20 at the time, and we were all doing stuff we shouldn't do, and I remember we were talking about the Lord. The Lord would come up at party st- situations. You guys seen that before? Everyone's getting loaded, and all of a sudden the Lord comes up somehow. It's like, this is interesting. <laughs> Let's follow this. And I remember this one girl, she said, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my, all my sins, past, present, and future, and I'm going to take that check, and I'm going to cash it in full and live my life to the extreme. And I was getting loaded too. And I thought to myself, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> you know, I'm over here forgiven and saved by God's grace too. But I know I'm living a duplicitous life. I know for a fact this is wrong. I know I'm not supposed to just take God's goodness and then run like the Dickens. That's not what, I know he's actually calling me out. And we had this conflict there, this conversation. And even though we were doing both tomfoolery stuff, God is calling people today to just grow up. 
to be more like Jesus, to mature, to say, yeah, okay. I, and don't have to. That's not going to last very long. You get to. And I got to go to Izzy's. I got to go wait tables. I got to make good tips. I got to be a part of the team. I get to. And this get to, got to mentality needs to be dealt with on the daily. Because y'all got spouses. Y'all got kids. Y'all got community. Y'all got the church. Y'all got something. And y'all got that decision to make every day. Do I, I uh, got to do this. Or I thank you, Lord, for calling me out of darkness. I get to do this. One time I was in Ashland uh, years later, and I was walking with Jesus, and I was working at a different place, um, waiting tables at the Greenleaf restaurant, making like 20 bucks an hour. It's a lot of money for a little kid, you know, and I was like having fun. But this one particular uh, restaurant was recruiting me to be their manager. It's called the Good Bean Ashland. It was a Christian-owned, secular-run business. And long story short, I just kept saying, why would I do that? As a matter of fact, the one time I ever went in this coffee house, I got a Breve Latte on the way to church. And I remember looking around the coffee house waiting for my coffee drink. I looked around like this, and under my breath I said this, I would never work here. <laughs> Weeks later, they recruited me to be the manager. And I was like, be careful what you say, even if you say it quietly. And I said no, and I said no, and I said no. And finally, one of my pastoral friends says, Luke, it's less money, more responsibility, and it's totally the Lord. It's totally what God wants for you. It's less money, more responsibility. It's what, and I, street logic, I was like, you're absolutely right. Jeremy Haskell, thank you very much. And I quit my job, took that job, more responsibility, less money, but it was for the mission of Jesus. And I got excited because I was helping this Christian man, Mary and Mike Kell. And I, can I just tell you something? I did it because I felt it was the Lord calling me, even though it was a downsize in serving myself. Instead of just consuming, I was now contributing to what I felt was God's call for my life. And I learned so much in that job. I made some big mistakes. I learned some lessons I'll never forget. There are moments in time in that job where I just said yes to a year and a half serving there. As a matter of fact, I was back at Good Bean Jacksonville, another affiliate there, just two weeks ago. And I went into Good Bean Jacksonville, and I took a business card, one of mine. And I just wrote, I said, is Mike and Mary Kell here, the owners? And they said, no, they're not here. I said, can you give them this card? And you know what I wrote on the card? Thank you. That's it. Just thank you from the bottom of my heart for being good bosses, for forgiving me when I was a bad leader, when I blew it. I made some good mistakes there. And I, I, but when you follow Jesus and you just say, yes, Lord, even if it's not consuming for yourself anymore, but contributing, please listen. It's not a have to. It's a get to. I get out of jail free. I'm not going to hell. But while I am now living free down on earth, I'm going to do my best for the king of kings. I want to serve. And, and I got to follow Jesus and do what he wants to do for my life, which is better. And when you surrender to the Lord and his will for your life, okay, it eventually your life gets on course and it becomes a blessing and you get blessed in the process. So today, can I just, before I even preach, we're not even in the text yet. I know, I know, I know. Here's the deal though. Today, in your heart of hearts, men and women, just surrender to the Lord and say, thank you for making me me. I have kicked against the goads and complained to the Lord and in my own personality many times of who I am. I wish that, you know, wish I was a little bit taller, wish I was a baller, you know, stuff like that. I wish, I wish, I w I'm not, and you're not, and we're not. But you just say, all right, Lord, I get to serve you. This is crazy. I get to be a little cell in the body of Christ. Did you know you have 50 trillion cells in your body right now? 50 trillion cells making up your body. God did that as an illustration to show the importance of each and every Christian in his body. And you might easily discount yourself and say, man, I'm nothing. I, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of talents or gifts. I'm nothing. No, you are not. You are talented and you are gifted and God's going to use you to change eternity for somebody. He's going to use you in the mission of Jesus. Just say yes to him. And it might not ever be on a stage or ever have a Facebook post behind it or anything magnificent. But when you get to heaven, God's going to give you a crown and jewels and all kinds of fun stuff. And you're going to throw them behind your back right to him. It's going to be this like, you know, boomerang effect. And you're going to be throwing, <laughs> casting your crowns down on him. It's going to be legit. Oh, man. Here's how this works, though. You got to give your life to Jesus today. Not just your soul and your sin. Give your life to him and just, just start saying yes. Whatever it is, you get to be a spouse. You get to be a parent. You get to be in the community. You get to be part of the church. So uh, now we're going to look at the forms and the functions of the church. And here's the deal. I want you to get this also. Because what I just asked you, in case you missed it, because I talk funny and fast, what I just asked you to do was to allow the Lord to use you in what's next, to truly just surrender and say, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. It's less money, more responsibility. It's totally the Lord. 
this is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard. Whatever it is, just do it. Here's the deal, though. You could accidentally Americanize your next step and go to your resource base and what you have and how you're going to do it and your fan club and all this stuff. And you could, or, or inside, okay, okay, okay. And you could reach down deep within and pull out what you're going to. Listen, God asks you to step into his mission, and then he firms up the water for you like he did with Peter. You need to understand this. He asks you to come with him, and then he preordains good works for you to walk in, gives you power to undergo the life that he wants you to. He, he does it all. I just need you to get that because now we're going to look at not only does he want us to live for him, but we have to do it through gifts we receive from him. Okay, let me just use a simple, simple illustration. God's like, I want you to give me $1,000. And you're like, okay, how am I going to do that? And he's like, well, here's $1,000. And you're like, now what do I do? He's like, give it back. Oh, well, that was easy. <laughs> you know, so God's like, hey, I want, I want you to speak for me to, to your, to your uh, whoever. Okay, well, how am I going to do that? Uh, here's, a, here's a tongue. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to put it right there in your mouth. You know? now, now, I gave it to you, and, I, and what word should I use? And he puts the words in. God, God will never ask from you that which he did not first give to you. Spiritual, physical. It's so, so legit. Lord, if it's your will, bid me to come out on the water. All the disciples are like, Peter, you're an idiot. And he's like, I know. <laughs> and the Lord's like, all right, come on out. It is my will. I want you to walk on water. And if you go where God wants you to go, you're going to do crazy things that you can't fabricate on your own. You can't do it. You don't get the credit at the end. You don't get the stress in the middle. It's all God. This is good news. So when he says, hey, man up, step up, let's do this. Don't Americanize it and figure out how you're going to resource it. Stop that. Instead, surrender and step on water, which doesn't make any sense at all. No sense at all. Okay? No sense at all. And God will say, I want to do this. And I'll tell you what, some of you, me too, we dream too, too low. We're like, well, God doesn't want to use me. Maybe he'll save somebody. Maybe he'll save, like, my dog, you know. Maybe, maybe God wants to use me to impact my grass or, you know. Or I'll just be a good neighbor, you know. I'll drive the speed limit. No one's doing that. I'll do that, you know. That's my spiritual gift. Look at me, you know. You're like, you're, and God's like, come on. I want you to give this. So here it is. You need to get that. I want you to serve in this way, so I'm going to serve you first. This is so reciprocal in nature, what God does. So God is the giver. That's the verse I read out of James chapter 1. God is the giver of all good things. you got to know this. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, okay, just so he starts out the whole thing. He's like, hey, you're all messed up. I'm like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? He's like, don't do anything. I'll send Jesus. You know? Oh, okay, that's kind of a good deal. You know, and Jesus shows up and Jesus dies for us. And he's like, you're all messed up. I'm like, what do we do? What do we do? He's like, nothing. I'll send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit shows up and then the church is born. And the church is like, what do we do? What do we do? He's like, nothing. I'll give the gifts to the church, which is the body of Christ. And God, he's the giver of all things. The impetus, the responsibility. Next step, though, response. You've been hugged. Is now God's given you gifts. God gave Jesus, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave the church, birthed you and me, and in the church are gifts, and now you and I are all standing around with gifts. Those are some nice gifts. Oh, look what you got. What'd you, what'd you get? What'd you, you want to trade? You want to trade? Ready? Do it fast, you know. You know we trade because we're skeptical, and God's given you crazy gifts, unique gifts. And I look at your gifts, I'm like, I want that because I don't have it. But you need mine. Oh, this is going to be sweet. And we trade and we share. And it's produce and fruit grows. And oh, this is awesome. And there's certain things I cannot do. And there's certain things that I, trust me, you cannot do either. You know what I'm saying? And we help each other out. And let me help you with that. I've got the gift of that. I've got the resource there. And it's not mine. It's by grace. Look at verse 7 again. This is how he launches into this. He says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of, the, of Christ's gift. He goes into this whole thing. What do we do now? He starts out with grace because it never starts anywhere else but grace. This is so fun. I love what I do, and I love you guys very much. I really do. It's very re rewarding to be part of your life and to see growth and to do what, what I get to do. It's my gift. It's what I get to do. But I always know, I know who I am apart from grace. And this is all of grace. Whatever, anything good you've ever seen from me or in this church is grace. And anything you've ever done that's right or good is from grace. And that just puts a smile on everyone's face, brings the humility flowing and the love. And we're just like, what is God? He's so good. It's by grace. That's how he starts it. 
And then in verse 8, he says that he gave gifts. And in verse 11, he clarifies and he says he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and some teachers. Now, before I get there, let me just remind you that you are a gift. Okay, it's, it's trickled down thus far. God gave Jesus. Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then gives gifts to the church. You're, you're a gift. I, I said this to uh, Denea and Dylan. Uh, maybe they're watching, probably not. Hopefully they're at Calvary Chapel, Devon something. It's in Albany. They moved there. And I said, you know what's exciting? They didn't want to leave here, and I understand. But I said, you know what's exciting? Is you're going to go to another town and work there, and you get, you get to find another church part of the body and right now there's a pastor praying for gifted people he's praying for his congregation we do the same here we pray that god would provide and all kinds of gifts and ways and talents and you get to show up your family just oh we're just we're just smoked here we're gonna go to church here and that pastor's gonna say what that is such an answer to our prayer that is so cool and you do the same when you show up here you bring your gifts you bring who you are and you operate and when you go out into the world you take your gifts and you are a gift and God has made you and equipped you and sent you, and he's doing it all through you. And what are you supposed to do? Just be you. I'm not messing with you. Just be you. God called me when I was eight years old to be a pastor. Luke, you're going to be a pastor. And I was like, nope, wrong Luke. <laughs> wrong Luke. Anyways, and I ran for 12 years. And when I finally submitted to the Lord, I said, okay, what does that mean to be a pastor? And I'm still learning. I've been doing it ever since. At age 20, I surrendered to the Lord and finally said, okay, that 18 years ago. And the Lord knows who you are. He's given you gifts. And he's going to just keep, just be you. Here's the deal, though. The first way we see these gifts measured out now, and my introduction has gone way too long, so please listen. We're going to go fast. Verse 11, he says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, and he lists these five offices of government, of organization. I just love how it says Jesus gave these offices, that Jesus is the one building his church. In Matthew 16, Peter and Jesus were talking, and Jesus says, hey, Pete, here's the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Awesome sermon. Awesome. We'll study it over the hope in the park, hopefully. He says, I'm going to do it. Oh, such good news. Jesus gave the keys to Peter, but Jesus is in charge of building his church. And so when Jesus sets up the organization of his church, you got to know that he knows what he's doing. Everybody realize that, right? You ever challenge Jesus? Do you know what you're doing? <laughs> we do. We counsel the Lord all the time. Colossians 1.17 says that he holds all things together in his hands. Okay, All things are through him and by him. Like Jesus knows what he's doing. So he, he sets up the church in this way with these five offices. Now, why are there five offices? Evangelists, pastors, teachers, prophets, and, evan and, uh, and apostles. Why are there five? I have no idea. <laughs> but, but like there's five fingers on your hand, what do your five fingers do? Okay, they pick up food and they edify the body. You know what I'm saying? That's what they do. They do other stuff as well. But these five offices are in order to edify the body. And I'm just going to go over them quickly uh, of how they look in our own life. Uh, apostles are the ones who govern the church. They look beyond the local body. They have a broader concern and care for the local church and the global church okay apostles people have the gift of apostleship they they have this anointing there was one apostle jesus and he anointed 12 apostles and those apostles sent out their apostles and today the holy spirit appoints those with the gift of apostleship i don't believe there are apostles in this office as there was in jesus day but there are those with the gift of apostolic calling church planners people who care about other churches in their own community. There are other people in the body of Christ who have no idea what's happening in the other parts of the world or other churches. They don't have that apostolic gift. There are those who are concerned and who know what is going on in the local and global church. Not just apostles, but prophets. Uh, apostles govern the church. Prophets guide the church. They warn and lead, rebuke and exhort, and they guide the church. And prophets have that ear to the Lord and the eye to the scriptures and understanding without, and they don't fall for stuff, and they say stuff that's true when it's not popular, and they've got this prophetic gifting. Evangelists, they don't govern or guide. They gather the church. Man, evangelists love non-believers. They love revivals. They love messy stories. They love going out into the world. They love going out and seeing what's happening and having relationships. And I have my, a lot of evangelists in me. It's why we do Hope in the Park. It's why I like to coach community teams. It's like I like to go street witnessing and just be me. I am a living street witness for the Lord. And, and I love printing shirts that say Jesus is real just to make people cringe. And uh, 
And uh, apostles govern and prophets guide, evangelists gather, pastors guard the church. These are shepherds. They guard the church. A lot of people run from wolves, pastors go at them. Some people in our culture run from shooting bullets and some people run towards it. Those have a pastoral call, they're protecting. And pastors care and they're concerned and they, they're with the hurting and they're with the downtrodden. And then there's teachers, he gives us this list. And the apostles govern, prophets guide, evangelists gather, pastors guard, and the teachers grow the church. They mature and disciple. I was thinking about the gift of teaching. I can't remember who I was texting, somebody, I was talking to somebody. But the gift of teaching is taking a concept that is true, a principle that needs no really interpretation or application. It's just true. But a teacher is able to take that truth that doesn't change. It's not for negotiation. Take that truth and then break it down and apply it to someone's life so they see it. If you've ever done this in elementary ages when you're teaching math and reading concepts to little kiddos, the concepts are true. They don't need any help. The kids do. And if you're a good teacher, you'll help people see things that they didn't see before. Not everyone has the gift of teaching, but those who do have the gift of teaching love those that are dumber than them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can teach you something, and you're excited about this? Awesome. And you get to see this growth. Well, Jesus is the one who picks those offices and gives those gifts. Why? Verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Those organizational offices are given so the church would be healthy to then do the work of the ministry. Now, that's very generic, so let me give you three objectives for you today, okay? This is what the church is supposed to do. Number one, you're supposed to exalt God. That's your number one priority as a Christian. I just exalt God. I, I choose to magnify him. Not just that, but you edify his people. The church is supposed to be symbiotic, working with one another. You're supposed to edify God and edify, or should exalt God and edify the body, and you're also supposed to, in your life, evangelize the lost. That's the whole function of the church. You ever take a multivitamin before? or a pill or something like this pill is supposed to do something once it goes in my body so to the church is supposed to exalt god edify the body and evangelize the lost my question would be this how are you doing in those threefold responsibilities are you exalting god i don't mean by raising your hands and being loud and boisterous that that too but are you just i'm doing yeah i live for god i live for god are you, are you edifying the body is there is there a give and take relationship with the church do you have community members? Do you have to go, do you go to a life group? Do you serve in any way? Do you go to the extra events? Do you, do you have relationship in Christ's name? You maybe need to work on that. Do you evangelize the lost? When you go out there, do you put your hands in your pockets and head down and hope nobody rubs off the world on you? Or do you take your hands out and say, yeah. As a matter of fact, look at verse 13. It says it this way. It says, until we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The offices are given so the church would grow so that we would be like Jesus. That's the whole goal. In order to be like Jesus, you have to know and love Jesus, okay? Just so you know where you're aiming. So you have to have an infatuation with Jesus, with the Gospels. I just encourage you to do that. That's why Hope in the Park this series, we're going to be looking at the red letters in Jesus, hopefully falling more love with Je in, in love with Jesus. When we're done with the book of Ephesians, we're going to go to a Gospel and study that through. So we just keep getting the Gospel into our soul, loving Jesus. Because if you don't know him, you can't be like him. Let me just tell you what he was like. Jesus was with the people. He wasn't apart. He wasn't separate. He, he, was, he was nasty. I mean, he went there and he got dirty. He, John 4, maybe we'll study it in a couple weeks. Jesus had to go to Samaria. And the disciples are following Jesus, the church. That's you and me. They're like, we'll go get some food. You just go ahead and go to Samaria. Weird. We don't want to go there. And Jesus was with the people. Also, Jesus left heaven on mission to engage culture and create culture. And he was so excited to be a part of what was happening and to change it and to bring new life. Jesus wasn't welcome amongst religious people. He made them feel funny. Because do you know why? Grace. Grace. Now, I've got some emails in the last couple weeks and months. People so mad at me. So mad. Religious people. So mad at the message that's being ha happening here. Questioning the validity of this church in general, in totality, because of the message of grace create religious people i'm like i think that's biblical i think that's biblical to be attacked and to be murdered and crucified like jesus this is kind of interesting jesus didn't was not received by religious people jesus loved everyone even the religious people he loved everyone the goal is to be like jesus the goal he, he, man that's the, the the church exists 
to exalt God and to edify the body, to evangelize the lost, that we might grow up to be like Jesus. Your gifts are necessary for that to happen, to, to, to be like Jesus, to, to love people, to be a part of culture, to be a part of walking in holiness and in righteousness. Keep reading with me. I've got two more verses, maybe three. It says that we should no longer be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. This is so rad. I love it when Christians grow and they can discern what's not true. I've found myself following rabbit trails thinking this is the new deal. Can I just give you a couple clues here? Here's how you're going to discern the truth. If it's new, <gasps> did you hear? If it's new, <gasps> oh my God. If it's new, listen, it's not true. It's just the way it is. It's not true. And if it is true, if it's, if it's truth, it's not new. It's been around. Okay, so that next time somebody says something, and oh, oh you know, no, just calm down. If it's new, it's not true. And if it is true, it's not new. Here's another thing you can consider. If you're wondering if what I'm a part of is true, it's going to be seen in three ways. Number one, it's going to be seen in Jesus' life, in his teachings, in his actions. It's going to be shown in the Acts, the book of the Acts. The apostles and teachers and church will walk it out, and it's going to be taught in the epistles. It's going to be seen in those three things. If you wonder, oh, is this true? Is this this new fad, this new doctrine? I don't know. Did Jesus talk about it, teach it, and live it? Did the church of Acts experience it and walk in it and enjoy it? Did, did Paul and Peter and John and James and Jude, did the homies, did they reference it and say yes? And if they, it's not in there, it's not true. Okay, move on, move on. You've got to realize there's a lot of roads that do not lead to God. I'm not messing with you. You guys know this, okay? So he says that's the goal is to grow up. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. He says this is the goal that we would have truth and love. Here's... When you're by a fire, don't you love a, for a fire, like in a little bonfire? It's got two things going. It's got warmth and light, okay? If you just have warmth and no light, no illumination, okay, you'll stumble around. If you just have light and no warmth, you ever had a light right in your eyes? You're like, ah, that's comforting, you know? <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's, there's no warmth. There's no, there's no moving. You're, you're sterile. And so all light, no warmth, all, all light, no love, all truth, no love, no. All love and no truth, just warmth, walking in darkness? No, you need a combination of both. You need the warmth of God's love, and you need the light of God's truth guiding you and, and, and changing you, and like a, 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 for, a fire warming your house would give both of those. Did you know that both of those are experienced and demonstrated in the cross? The, the truth of God and the love of God. Listen, the truth of God is seen when Jesus hung on the cross and was brutally murdered for my sin and for your sin saying, sin's nasty. Sin will mess you up. Sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you're ready to pay, and keep you longer than you wanted to stay every single time. Sin will separate you from the presence of God. Sin will destroy your soul from the inside out. Sin will cause blood and death and carnage. Look at me. Ah, the truth. And we hear that message. We're like, ah. But Jesus, who wasn't a sinner, said love covers a multitude of sins. So my love is going to be displayed on the same cross. Why am I up here? Because I love you this much. Because I love you. The truth is your sin is nasty. Ticks me off. Makes, makes the wrath of God real. And I'm going to take it for you. But the love of God, the warmth of God, the, the, ah, the arms of God wrap around you through sanctification and salvation. It's the truth and love. You've got to have both. Be careful. Some parents out there just have truth for their kids. Just telling their kids the truth, no love. And their kids are getting weirder and weirder and farther away and farther away. Make sure you have that love. Make sure you have that love. Love them. Some of the coworkers you have, all you give them is truth all day. Got your gospel gun loaded. You know, get the truth. You need the truth. You know, and it's love and truth that we would have that. Some of you only have love for the people around you. No truth. That no one even knows you're a Christian. Super nice guy. Super, super loving person. You serve everyone for Jesus' name. But there's no truth in your life. And people don't know that you're a Christian. They don't know that you live for the mission of Jesus, that your sins have been forgiven. It's got to be this combination that causes this attraction, this growth. Verse 16, last verse, and we have one second left. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The services will get better and better as the day goes on because I'll have more time to teach. But let me just summarize quickly. Each and every one of you have a part to play. 
And it keeps us from judging the church next to us. It keeps us from disagreeing with the person sitting by you because they're supposed to be them. They're not supposed to be, you're supposed to be you. Are there anybody in your life right now that just drives you mad? Okay, no, not your spouse, that's different. <laughs> just so different than you. Listen, they're supposed to be if they're being themselves. They are supposed to be them. And when you understand the body of Christ, you're like, man, that is just so weird. Your gift is so weird and so weird. Like the difference between my lips that have a gift and my toes that have a gift. They're on the same team. Okay, if my lips don't do their job, the toes won't do their job. If they try and swap jobs, it's YouTube worthy. You know what I'm saying? Like eat with my toes and walk with my lips. It's not going to work. But I never yell at my toes and vice versa. It, they, they just, it's them and this, every joint supplies its gift. This will keep us from attacking and disagreeing with other churches that love Jesus across town too. Maybe churches that are a little more suit and tie oriented. Uh, maybe a little less facial hair on the stage. That's fine. Maybe more music, maybe more prayer, more gifts, more flags, more just different. Hey, cool. That's awesome. I love what you guys do over there. You know, and, 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 it, and you just love who you are here. And this understanding of this uniqueness causes you to just be you. Your gifts are identified in a lot of different ways. Right now, if I were to start choking up on stage, <coughs> Pastor Matt, give me some water. Right away, everyone who had the gift of mercy and concern would make sure Matt heard the message. Did Matt hear that? Did Matt hear that? Matt would hear it, and Matt, let's say Matt ran over here, and on his way up the stairs, he had this glass of water, and he tripped and fell, and the glass broke, exploded everywhere in glass. Instantly, all of the gifts of the body would go into action, okay? The administrator gifts, the guys who have the gifts of administration would make sure that no one got cut, no one slipped, doors would open, cones out, just make sure that that happened, the person with the gift of ministry and mercy would go over and make sure Matt's okay. Matt, you okay? Man, you look dumb when you did that. You know, you okay? You know, and that's okay. You okay? I know how it feels, man. Let me tell you a story. When I was a kid, you know, and just ministering to him. And, and, and the, gift of, the gift of helps, you know, the gift of service. Somebody would come over and look at the stairs. These stairs crooked? These stairs crooked? And they would get their drill out, start fixing it, you know. That's all they're concerned about, you know. And, and the gift of giving. People have the gift of giving. It's Romans 12, 8. They just want to give. Someone would jet off to the store and get bottles of water. They won't break. I'm going to buy 1,000 bottles of water for everyone, you know. And all these gifts would happen. The person with the gift of prophecy would say, I saw that coming. <laughs> saw that coming. You know, and, and the person with the gift of teaching. After Matt had gone through his counseling and mercy session, the teaching person would say, you know what, Matt? I was watching you do that. And if you hold the glass with both hands equally, opposite sides, you know, make sure there's no condensation on the glass. And when you're doing it, you're going way too fast. It's teaching. All the gifts, all the gifts would go into play. I'm not even messing with you guys. Someone with the gift of discernment would say, Luke still needs water. He hasn't got water yet. And they're back there, you know, just discerning the spirits. You know, I'm still up here choking. And here's your homework. Maybe I'll go through it next week as a springboard. I'm way out of time. Worship team, come on up. Where are they at? There are 20 gifts listed in the scriptures. I was going to go over them today. Not going to happen. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4. Those are the gifts. The Bible says to cultivate your gifts, to, to walk in your gifts, to accept your gifts. God told me at age 8 what my gift was. I said, no. At age 12, I said, okay, or, or age 20, 12 years later, I said, okay, okay. And instantly, most of you know my story, instantly I was asked to help out, to, to lead, to share, to guide, to pastor. God's given you gifts. All you got to do is say, okay, I'll be me. It's not a got to it's a get to you get to be blessed you get to serve you get to be one of the people that is participating not just consuming but contributing i'm gonna ask you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads and pray with me as we just say okay how awesome is that i'm not going to to hell and not only that but i get to live for heaven oh jesus we love you so much and in and of ourselves we have nothing to offer but you haven't asked us to offer ourselves you said offer Jesus because he's real and he lives inside of us and he moves through us and so God we give all of the power all of the glory all of the kingdom of God that is coming all of heaven and earth all back to you and say right on thank you Jesus for being so preeminent so prominent so sufficient we we're all messed up you, you know us all too well and so today as a body we repent 
And we're going to take communion now and remind ourselves that it's not about us, it's about you. And I pray for every man, every woman, everyone who's married, everyone who's single, everyone who's got kids, everyone who doesn't have kids, everyone who's here, that we would all just be us. We would exalt you in the way we live and worship. We would edify the body by both contributing and consuming. And we would let our lives be a witness to you in a world that needs you desperately. They're hurting lives right now. May the church respond. May the church respond by being reflections of Jesus. Pray for those in the world today who are hurting, Lord, those families in Baton Rouge and in France and everywhere else. Pray for Christians, Lord, to rise up and be the church. Gifts of mercy, gifts of healing. Lord, I pray a special blessing on this body that you would show us our gifts. Help us just know what we're good at. Help us to identify what we're bad at and stop trying it. Help us to just be us. We thank you for what you've already done. In Jesus' name, amen.